0: to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. Good morning, my AOWs. Well, if you are an avid listener to the show, number one, thank you. I put a lot of work into this show, you know, getting guests and uh, thinking through some great content and putting this show together for you. But if you're an avid listener, you know that I'm about two days late posting this podcast. I usually post on Wednesdays, um, but I've had an incredibly busy week. And sometimes when I see patients or, you know, my friends even like, how do you do all of this stuff? And sometimes I really Don't know. Um, And 92% of the time I have it together. But this week I'm just really late posting this show. Um, I'm actually posting this. I'm actually recording this on Friday and I'm going to post this in about half an hour. So this is the real raw me, uh, recording my show. Um, I had to do an extra clinic on Wednesday and that's probably what put me back. And because I was doing that extra clinic and seeing extra patients, um, the show has didn't, didn't go up in time. And I kept thinking like, Oh, you know, I, I had like these old ones that I've recorded. I went back to, um, what I kind of call like my batching folder, and there was like nothing in there. So sometimes that happens. Now, I do have some exciting news. I had Dr. Mary-Claire Haver record a podcast with me so that's coming up next Wednesday. Um, you probably know Dr. Mary Claire Haver. She um, uh, is the host of the Galveston Diet, which um, many of you have, you know, follow her as well. She's got a large following on Instagram and TikTok. So we had a great conversation. So that's coming up next week. In today's episode, I wanted to talk about three things to make menopause really simple. I've done a lot of podcasts recently on, um, you know, sort of just what's been going on with social media and menopause and lots of different voices jumping in. And that's great. That has definitely some benefits because that means more people are posting about midlife and menopause. More people are weighing in. We've got laywomen, you know, journalists, we've got doctors, we've got everyone in between. But the downsides of that is that it starts to really make it really complicated and it doesn't need to be. It really doesn't need to be. Um, If you haven't listened to the last episode I did with Angie Hot and Flashy, she talked about that too, about how, you know, whatever community and whatever topic or niche it is, sometimes the more people that are weighing in, the more complicated we seem to make, you know, potentially very easy things. So I don't think menopause is straightforward and or easy, but there are three simple facts to know that can make it very simple. And when you're listening to, you know, either it's gurus or people telling their stories or coaches, if you just keep these three simple facts in mind, I think it really does help separate fact from fiction. So that's the broad topic of today's show. Three simple facts to know to make menopause really simple. All right, before we get in from that, first off, just a quick note from our sponsor. It's no secret we talk a lot about genitourinary syndrome of menopause here on the show. So I'm excited to tell you about a non-hormonal product I recently discovered, which is the ONCE Daily Oral Omega-7 Soft Gels from Femininity. These have been shown in clinical studies to help decrease vaginal dryness. Omega-7 is a key component to epithelial tissue, which makes up a significant portion of the sensitive vaginal and vulvar tissue. Not only could you see improvements there, but additional benefits include healthier hair, skin, and nails, relief from dry eyes, plus a healthier digestive tract. I've been using it and I can definitely see and feel the benefits. It's also free of gluten, yeast, sodium, GMOs, wheat, dairy, and other preservatives. To learn more and order your soft gels, you're going to want to head to restorefemininity.com. That's R-E-S-T-O-R-E-F-E-M-I-N-I-N-I-T-Y.com. You can also find the link in the description and show notes, and also on Amazon. Thank you for sponsoring today's show, Femininity. Ooh! Quick coffee break and I'm back. So before we get into the three things, I wanted to also quickly update you on some exciting news Um, in terms of the book, which I talk about a lot here on the podcast. I have a meeting with my writer and my editor. The editor uh, did read the book and said, I love it yes that is such a good news so that means that there's probably not too much that we need to edit or change you know obviously there'll be a few things and read through but not that the book needs a complete upheaval that's really great because when writing the book you know we Stacy and I because Stacey on my writer we wrote the whole thing straight through without anyone reading it so you turn in like three four hundred pages and you're like I hope this is what uh, they wanted now of course they have the proposal which is the basically the outline of it but you're writing this whole book for months, just kind of crossing your fingers. So that's, that's really exciting. And second, I got awarded a second grant uh, to create my course for clinicians. So I've been working with Harvard and the CME office to create a course on how to prescribe and manage hormone therapy and so that looks like it got green lighted or it did get green lighted. And so that's coming out in the fall. So if you're a clinician and you listen to the show, that's super exciting. You can DM me on Instagram. I will put you on the wait list um, for that. And you get eight hours of CME credit. If you are a lay person, that means that you have a resource to tell your doctor to go to. All right. So those are the updates in in my world. Three things to know about menopause to make it really simple. The first is just the basic definitions. And you guys listening to the show know this, but again, keep these principles closely in mind. The average age of perimenopause is 47. I think symptoms probably start a little bit earlier. And that's just because, you know, doctors aren't writing to the CDC, you know, perimenopause is starting. So I think that In the 40s, symptoms of perimenopause start. The average age of menopause in the United States is 51 and a half, inching closer to 52. So if you just know that, that's really helpful. And if you know those classic symptoms that start around that time, that can be very helpful in terms of making those definitions a little bit more clear. So menopause, no period for 12 months, and elevated FSH above 35 on two separate occasions and classic symptoms, hot flashes, night sweats, vaginal dryness. Knowing that these symptoms can start long before your periods cease is also really important. And they can start in perimenopause. And we know that if they start in perimenopause, that they often tend to go last a little bit longer. And um, that, that's just important to know. So just know those basic definitions. Whenever anyone's trying to, you know, either sprinkle, could this be inflammation? Could this be autoimmune? Could this be an allergy? Could this be da 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 da? Right? People are always kind of trying to find solutions for us, but common things happen commonly, and a hundred percent of women will go through perimenopause and menopause if they live to a certain age. And knowing that a lot of these symptoms, whether they're classic symptoms, Or they're vague symptoms, those vague ones being, you know, vertigo, uh, nausea, um, aversions to clothes, uh, sensitivities on your skin. Those can be some more vague ones. But knowing that it's commonly the hormonal fluctuation in the menopause transition is going to help lead you from going down a ton of rabbit holes. So just know that 100% of women will go through perimenopause and menopause. Now, not every woman will have symptoms. Um, and so in my book, I talk a lot about, which is so exciting, because the book is so different than any other content. I've been really kind of keeping that on lockdown and holding it. It's really hard uh, to do so. But there are women who don't experience symptoms, um, but uh, about, you know, 80% of women do experience symptoms. Alright, so that's the point number one that you need to know. Going on to point number two, very simple. Symptoms last on average five to seven years. I always tell my students or my patients, um, anyone really, if they know that fact, that is that is really really important. It sets the stage for how how significant the menopause transition is. Even I. Kind of always thought that menopause was a siloed event or it lasted a year from when your period started to change to when it had been a year of no periods. And there's this kind of old wise tale that, you know, they kind of last, that symptoms last for that year and then your body goes back to normal. And that's completely untrue. And even if you don't have symptoms, your body does not go back to normal. Estrogen plays a role in so many organ systems. Actually, I take that back. Estrogen plays a role in every organ system in your body, your brain. It affects your hair. It can affect vision and hearing. It can affect um, our heart. It can affect our guts. It can affect the pelvic floor. It can affect joints. It can affect skin. That's pretty much every organ going from head to toe. And knowing that symptoms last on average five to seven years does a couple things. It really sets the stage for women to think, do I really want to, quote, suffer through this, end quote. There is definitely this message that, you know, these things are normal and we need to just push through, push through the pain of your periods, push through how uncomfortable pregnancy is, push through the postpartum period, push through menopause. Um, There is this def. There is really this social norm that women are just these heroes of pain. And it's probably done through a male lens. But anyways, let's not go too far off the deep end there. But so, you know, knowing that symptoms are going to last a long time, when I see patients in my clinic and they're deciding on medical options, I say, they're kind of like, well, I don't want to live like this for this much longer. That also means that a lot of women do think that the symptoms are going to Slow down and stop, and so they delay or don't seek out treatment because they're like, "Well, it's just going to last this one year. Things are going to get better. This can't go on for that long, and then I'll, I'll, I'll bounce back. We always do." But that's also simply not true. Now, let's take two different scenarios. The first is vaginal dryness, which we call Genitourinary Syndrome of Menopause, or GSM for short, and then hot flashes. Now, these are a little different in terms of, um their 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 length so hot flashes for example we know that 10 percent of women have hot flashes the rest of their life Um, but let's go with the average about you know 60 percent of women have hot flashes for a couple years let's say five years and then they do tend to go away now we're not exactly sure but it probably has to do with the receptors in our brain down regulating sort of saying okay you know what i'm sick of looking for estrogen i don't think it's coming back Your body stops making those receptors that look for estrogen. Those receptors downregulate. And then that's kind of why you stop getting hot flashes. Now, if we take genital urinary syndrome of menopause, which is the lack of estrogen in the vaginal tissue, um, which leads to dryness an increase in the pH from a more basic pH, sorry, from a more, yeah, from a more acidic pH to a more basic pH. Um, and then you've got irritation, you've got pain with intercourse, the estrogen's not coming back. And so it's not going to improve. It's not going to revert back to normal. So the pelvic floor is always going to change whether you have symptoms like hot flashes or not or if those hot flashes go away, it doesn't mean that your body is back to normal. Let's take an even more sort of abstract one, which is the cardiovascular system. Now, there's plenty of data to show that estrogen is really beneficial for cardiovascular system. We know from the women's health study that women who took estrogen within 10 years of menopause lived longer, on average 3.2 years, and had less cardiovascular disease. Why is that? Well, we know that estrogen is actually a vasodilator. It releases nitric oxide, which dilates the vessels. That gets more blood flow through those coronary arteries, those arteries that feed the heart all its blood. And that's potentially one reason why. Also, we think that estrogen keeps the endothelial lining, that's basically the sheath of the arteries and vessels, really nice and healthy. And that's like pretty much the pipes of your body. They're really important. And uh, we don't necessarily have a plumber (laughs) that can go in and fix them. Um, So we want to keep them as healthy as we can. And there's plenty of data to show that estrogen um, is good for that endothelial lining. Now, different. And I digress here, but if you start hormone therapy, you know, one or particularly two decades since menopause, at that point, estrogen back into the system might be pro-inflammatory and kind of cause some plaques uh, or that buildup on those vessels to kind of flake off, which could cause clots. So. That's sort of why there's a different and separate mechanism if you start hormone therapy, you know, much later or after 10 years for menopause. Okay. So, what I was trying to say is I'm trying to say that the body, um, you know, the symptoms last five to seven years, um, so that much longer than people anticipate. And that even after most of those symptoms abate, the body is still very different. Um, and doesn't have to mean like bad. It doesn't mean that you're an inherently unhealthy, but that the body is different, right? We talked about the pelvic floor and now we're talking about the cardiovascular system. So estrogen is really protective and now you really don't have that, those protective benefits. Another obvious one is bones. And most people, doctors, you know, lay women know that estrogen is really good for bones. And so once you go through menopause, um, that's that's the point at which we most rapidly lose bone bone density, bone mass, not yeah. And um, it, because of that, the bones will always be a little bit more brittle. they'll always be a little bit um, more susceptible to fracture because of the loss of estrogen. Now not everyone, not always, um, but you know for a lot of women that's that's another clear and obvious example of how the body will change postmenopause. All right. So we talked about the two things that you need to know right now, which is the definitions that the average age of menopause is 51 and a half. The average age of perimenopause is 47. If you're experiencing strange symptoms in your 40s to 50s, it's most likely part of the perimenopause transition as opposed to something rare or random or unique. So I would think, is this related to my hormones first? Because that makes the most sense. Number two, symptoms last on average five to seven years. That's important because it means if you're trying to stick this out and it's been a year, you might have a lot longer to go. And that really does mean that seeking treatment could be be a game changer for your overall health and quality of life. And also that means that even when those symptoms end, I guess I sort of put a second lesson in that one, that your body is still going to be different after that. And so what is the third one? This one should not surprise you coming from me, but the third one to know is that most women would benefit from hormone therapy. That's it. It's not that complicated. So why do I say that? And I've done lots and lots of shows on this topic. Do you have to take hormone therapy? The answer is no. Um, Are there some women for whom it is contraindicated? Yes, there definitely is. Although a lot of people come to me and say, well, I can't take hormone therapy because of this, 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 this. And actually, those are actually often incorrect or myths that have been passed on. The most obvious one is a breast cancer, particularly one that's ER positive um, or ERPR positive. So a breast cancer, a history of a significant unprovoked DVT or blood clot or lung clot. And those are going to be like your most obvious ones. There are more, you know, nuanced ones, like ones I hear all the time that drive me wild is family history of breast cancer in no way, shape or form is that a contraindication to hormone therapy. There's no research data, uh, Guide bulletin point that says a history of a family history of breast cancer is a contraindication. No, you don't have cancer. There's no no. There's no reason to think you're going to get cancer. Remember, very few cancers are genetic. I think between five and seven percent. It could even be less. Are genetic, and the rest are environmental. Now, if you have a particularly strong family history, then you could do genetic testing. But that doesn't mean you cannot start or consider hormone therapy. Family history of clots any, you know, history of cardiovascular disease in you that's well-controlled, those are not contraindications to hormone therapy either. Now, when I say most women would benefit from hormone therapy, but then I say something kind of contradictory, like, do I think everyone needs hormone therapy? What I mean by that is that I believe the data shows right now that about five to seven, maybe 10% of women take hormone therapy. Let's even say it's 10%. Let's just be aggressive. And the reason I'm going up to 10% is I'm including people on unregulated, uncompounded hormone therapy because they are definitely, those numbers are hard to say. So let's say 10% of the population takes hormone therapy. If I say most women would benefit, it would be an amazing world if 50% of women uh, took hormone therapy. Again, excluding those women who simply don't want to, and that's okay. It's absolutely your choice. Those women who cannot because their health history will not allow it and won't be safe. But even if we went up to 50% of women, most women would benefit from hormone therapy. And I know this because I do this every single day. I do this in clinic, and I added on another clinic this week. Hence, couldn't get my show out. Um, and you know, I would say 80% of women that I see uh, are put on hormone therapy and are delighted to be on hormone therapy. And the majority of them. Uh, upwards of 90% do really, really well on hormone therapy. And it's nothing special. It's just that I think the ability to counsel, the ability to walk through risks and benefits, the ability to dissect the data about those fears of breast cancer is something that I have learned over the years. And that really helps women feel at ease. That's the whole reason I created my podcast and my YouTube was so that I could really help even those women who don't come to my clinic, but maybe go to, you know, a clinic in North Carolina or Indiana or, you know, Mexico City, so that they really know the risks and benefits. Now, I teach this all in my masterclass, the Reclaiming Menopause Masterclass, which you can actually now get in through without a call with me. You can um, go to the link. There's a link in the description for the show. There's links on all of my Instagram and TikTok and on my website, which just got revamped, HeatherHirschMD.com. Go check it out. And you get to go through the course, learn everything, figure out exactly what type of hormone therapy you need, learn how to talk to your doctor, get support from me with our live weekly calls. And it's so much fun. I should also plug while I'm doing that, I have a new course coming out, the Menopause and Breast Cancer Blueprint course. That is for my breast cancer patients because the Reclaiming Menopause Masterclass is not going to fit your needs. And I got so many requests for this. So that is starting in June. I've got about 10 seats left. If you want to get into that, I'm going to also put a link in the description. You can also find it on all my Instagram, TikTok, etc. So I hope this was really helpful. Now, if you want more about hormone therapy because you're like, okay, I'm, I'm really ready. Again, I've got the masterclass. I've got tons of podcasts, tons of stuff on YouTube. Um, and of course, all across my social media platforms. There's so many ways to figure out if, you know what's going to be good for you oral patch transdermal um and that's really where i have so much fun there is not one size that fits all and i really really love doing menopause care because it is so different for so many women and it's just so fun it's as a primary care dog it's the one thing i can say where women come back and say you've completely changed my life my life is so much better it's just such a wonderful feeling Thank you guys for listening to the show. Please give it a review or a star. And uh, I haven't had a recent review, but as soon as I do, I'm going to shout you guys out on the next podcast. So if you leave a review, I will shout you out. And uh, thank you so much. You can also subscribe to my subscribers only show. If you want more like in-depth bra podcasts with me, that $4 a month also helps to support uh, me doing the show and taking time out of my schedule to do this for you guys. I love you guys so much. I really appreciate all your wonderful comments um you can go follow me on instagram or tiktok or twitter and i'm at Heather heatherhershamd and i will see you guys next week and please give me grace for getting my show out a day late all right i'll see you next week bye everyone Thank